National Fishermen and Pacific Marine Expo are proud supporters of the Galley Stories podcast, as we make similar efforts to highlight the people and topics that define commercial fishing. You can see what that looks like in print and online all year long, as well as every November in Seattle when this community comes together at PME. Check out nationalfishermen.com and pacificmarineexpo.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. And today we have Captain Rick Reynolds out of Nugashik, a pilot point, Bristol Bay, Alaska. And uh, he is currently a uh, skiff owner, or excuse me, a set net owner and operator on several sites there. But he has a rich history of fishing, so we're going to let him get into telling us that. So, Rick, where were you born and what got you into commercial fishing? Okay, well, I was born in Anchorage, Alaska at Elmendorf Air Force Base in 1954. And uh, what got me into fishing was my dad was a, a saner in his years out of high school. And uh, so his partner and friend in school owned a boat and that was my first fishing job of getting on the same boat out of Ketchikan and I sained out of Ketchikan for two years and my first year was just mostly uh, I had to get on another boat before I could get on the Highline boat as they put it that day so I got my experience on a on a saner with another person before I could actually get on boat that my dad wanted me to get on. So I had to get a year's experience, basically. How, how old were you when you got on that first boat? 18. 18. And what were your responsibilities? I was, uh, I, in a way, I was lucky because I was right on the lead line, which is way better than being the webman. So I got to do, uh, our saying was 350 fathoms back then, and uh, I coiled the lead line, and uh, I actually did uh, skiff man for a little bit when our skiff man didn't show up one week. And we'd go into town on the weekends. We'd fish Monday through Friday, go in uh, Monday through Friday, go in on Saturday, and we'd be back on the boat Monday morning. So we'd spend our weekends in town. All the saners would come in on the weekends. And you were fishing out of? Ketchikan. Ketchikan, okay, okay. Beautiful place to you know, get that experience out of. Oh yeah, yeah, we had, uh, well my captain was definitely experienced, he had been doing that, he had the boat the Dream made, and uh, actually come into harbor one day and the, the newspaper was down there taking pictures of the boat, they had cameras, because he kept, it. he had the nicest boat in the fleet, without a doubt, mm-hmm. the Dream made was the name of the boat, that boat's currently in Petersburg now, and I guess it's still pretty nice. How long did you serve on that one? Oh, I only did a year. I just did one year, and I don't know why I didn't go back. Uh, uh, yeah, I just did one year with him, and I got a full crew share. Well, because I fished previously. You don't normally get a full crew share in the first year. And, uh, the boat I fished on before was the Christie. That was my first boat, and it was a Hanson boat, which a Hanson was a well-made wood boat back in the day. They were the boat in the 70s before the steel boats started coming out. 
Anyway, the Christie was also a handsome boat, and uh, but it wasn't a, it was uh, it needed work. I remember I went down to the Lazarette on it one time and looked in there, and you could actually see daylight through the back of the boat. Oh, you know, because they hadn't caulked it recently. And on the Christie, we fished down in uh, fished throughout southeast. Then we come down here and we fished San Juan Islands out of Seattle here. And uh, one time we got hung up, the Seine got hung up, he's fishing shallow. He had three and a half strips, is what they would call it then. And we hung up on a rock, and the boat, and the Seine got underneath the boat, and the, the tide got us, and it almost capsized the boat. We were all on one side of the boat, thinking that our weight was going to keep that boat from turning over, but it obviously wasn't. Uh, we just had, to, we sat there on our side with the boat almost, bull rails almost underwater. And uh, we had to wait for the tide to change before we get the same. But we didn't lose the same. That was the important thing. But we did tear up about 150 fathoms. Which took some work. Took a lot of work. For two days we were in the harbor fixing the same. Yeah, I remember it very well. How, how did you progress after that? Well, then uh, we originally, then we got up into the bay. And uh, we got up there because the Gashik River had been closed for seven years because they overfished it. And they were, then they decided to open the river again, and a friend of my dad told us about it, uh, that they're going to open the river, we need to get up there, probably start buying. So we start, I originally started buying fish. And we used the old cannery as our processing place for buying fish and processing of course, that old cannery's gone now, at least the part we're using. Is, is this the one way up in the village? No, this is one right in front of Pilot Point. Okay. Uh, there, the, it was the cannery part that went out over the water. The, the Red Dog site now? Yeah, exactly, the Red Dog site, exactly. But they used to have water there. Uh, you could get water from the tanks that were above town. They pumped it out of the lake into the tanks, and we, that's how we got our water for cleaning fish on the, on, on the dock. So then we bought fish for a couple of years, a couple of three years, and then we decided to buy some set net permits. And, and uh, when I wasn't long lining in southeast Alaska, I'd come up to the bay and fish the summers and long line in the winter. And so and then uh, that wasn't until 1980, and then I got into fishing. I had a brief break from school till 1980 where I didn't really fish much, but then. I've been fishing every year since 1980. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I've actually visited your site there in, in Pilot Point, and spent yeah. a little, spent a little time at your place. And down in your basement, you have every permit that's been issued to you. I do. You do. I do. It's like walking into an old place that has the um, license plates all over the wall. Yeah. Right, but yeah. it's the fish permit. I'm surprised card. you noticed that because you never told me about that. But anyway, every yeah. single year, right in a row. In fact, I got them all. Uh, gathered up now, and I'm going to frame them. Yeah, I'm going to take them in the frame. I got every year since 1980. Well, the couple of years I missed them because I moved and I lost. I took them down to Juneau where I used to live. And uh, yeah, but I, I got all the other ones. So I think I've got at least 40. Pretty, 42. pretty cool. Pretty cool sight to see. Yeah, uh, I'd actually like to get a picture of that when you get when you get that all framed yeah. up and done. So let's talk about what was some of your best experiences at sea. 
Uh, my best experiences. Uh, well, I, I liked. I went king crab fishing one time in the Bering Sea. I really liked that. I really did. It's, it, uh, you know, regardless of what people say, uh, king crab fishing isn't that hard to do if you got some fishing experience. And I went right to the roller, so I run the roller on the king crab. And I, I, outside of the hours, I liked the work. It was fun. I did like that. And I remember one time we got out there. In fact, the skipper was. Uh, I was on the last frontier. Is the name of the boat. Our captain was Paul, and he'd had the boat for 30 years. We got out there in a, in a storm. They said there's a storm coming. Well, what had happened, we didn't feel the storm. We're going up, where's this storm? Well, it turned out we were in the eye of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in the eye of the storm, and so everybody it else seemed, It seemed nice right then. Yeah, it was nice. And well, then as soon as we hit the edge, it was blowing 110. And the waves were 50 foot, probably. And even the skipper said, in all his years, that was the worst storm he'd ever been in. And, and he'd been fishing for, well, he had that boat for 30 years. He'd been fishing another, quite a few years before that. And it was definitely the worst storm that he'd been in. And, but the, the, whole, uh, the whole thing about the story was that we only stopped fishing for six hours. Yeah, we only stopped fishing for six hours at the peak of that storm. We were back on the deck. I remember one guy was leaving the galley and he had to get up into the four peak. He goes, well, we got some stuff up there. I'll go get it. I'll show you how to get across the deck. Well, he took off from the galley across the deck and wave hit us. And it knocked him against the bull rail, right? But he held on. And he made it up there and he goes, I go, so that's how you're going to show me how to get across the deck. Because then I went, but I timed, I was watching, I was really careful after seeing what happened to him. And I made it up there. But uh, during that same storm, there had been one guy that had got washed off the boat. They'd radioed him. He got washed off. And the next wave washed him back on. And that's a true story. He got washed overboard. Which which boat was that? Do you recall? I don't remember. It was a it was, it was one on of the, the boats, one of our partners. Yeah. yeah, on the radio. And there's another boat out there that same time had the windows knocked out of it. You know, same old story in the storm. So one wave took him off, and another one put him back. Yeah, it's Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was happy. I, I you know I would ask you what your scariest time is, but that probably was it. No, actually, I felt pretty safe on the boat because we were always in, heading into the waves, and they were outside of the waves being big. My scariest time was outside of Latuya Bay. Where I was dungy crabbing. Where's, where's Latuya Bay at? Just sort That's of between uh, Cape Spencer and Yakutat. It's the only spot where you can get out of the weather. It's about a, I'm going to say it's 150 miles from Cape Spencer and probably another 150 miles to take uh, to Yakutat. But it's the only place where if you get in the storm where you can actually get off the ocean and get in an anchor. Anyway, we went out one day, we were dungy fishing, and we had 300 pots. And we got out in front of Latuya Bay, and we thought, well, let's just go a little farther today. Because we didn't want to get, it was in the winter, it was in January. And that's, you know, on the Pacific Ocean, January is not a good time to be fishing. So we decided to go a little farther that day, because... 
obviously we just close to the bay. We wanted to get out where there's more crab. Well, here comes the storm. As soon as we got the farthest way that we'd ever been, and we start heading back to the bay, and it was so damn rough. And I couldn't even get up in the wheelhouse and watch the waves. I sat in the galley and looked out the back door. And, and everything in that boat, coming out of the cupboards, coming out of the shelves, everything was in the middle of the boat. It was, it was knee deep. All the cupboards were open, everything. And when we finally had to turn to go into the bay, because it was going southwest, so we had to turn and go into the the bay, which is very narrow. It's buoys you line up to get in there. And it's the, the width of it is only uh, 200 feet maybe. And those waves were 30 foot or more. As soon as we turned, we were a giant surfboard. We were a 50 foot, the boat was 50 foot. We were a 50 foot surfboard going in there. And I remember watching the skipper and he was turning that wheel all the way over as fast as he could and holding. And then the, then the boat would start to go the other way. And he turned the wheel all the way back the other way. And there was about four or five of those. And we'd come sliding out into the Latulia Bay. That was the scariest moment. Wow. We were so close to being broadside yeah. and capsizing. It was actually, yeah. You know, starting your career back when you did, which sounds like it was uh, 1973. Yeah. Um, you probably saw a lot of the... The old history that a lot of these young guys have and experiencing, you know, the good, the good old days or the, the, the old timers. I guess it, would you classify yourself as one of the old timers now? And if so, how are things different now than they were then? Well, a lot more electronics nowadays. Obviously, we use the old uh, uh, what do we call the old uh, the old autopilot, the Freeman iron. Marine, uh, Freeman Marines, uh, the Iron Mike, mm -hmm. Iron Mike. Yeah, that's what they called it, where you kicked it in with your foot, and there's a chain that would go back and forth, and that thing would be, you could hear the chain going three, four revolutions one way, really noisy. If you had a, if you were sleeping up in the, up in the cabin anywhere around that iron mic, you, were, you weren't going to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> but that, and, well, of course, GPS is really advanced. There was no, none of that. Was, everything was radar. And that was it, radar and, and knowing how to read the buoys, mm -hmm. you know, the lights when you're coming into port. Now, you, uh, I just happen to know this already, but your kids fish too. Yeah. They've all done, uh, they've fished my sights up there in, in uh, Bristol Bay, yeah. All three of my daughters are set netters, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, of course, I had my one daughter that was the captain of the, my first captain's daughter was Raquel, and I lost her, but she was good. She was very good. And now my other daughter, my oldest daughter, is uh, the captain of the bunker, my skiffs. Mm -hmm. So I got two skiffs, two sites. That and, and then on top of all of that, you're also an Alaska bush pilot. That is correct, yep. So yep. when you go fishing and you fly out of Anchorage, you fly down to your site in your own plane? Yep. Yep. Between uh, fishing and flying, it's probably the two most dangerous jobs around. Yep. Yep. Now, you also own a business there in Pilot Point. Yeah. I have a basically a bed and breakfast. Yeah. 
Okay. And you've stayed there. But yeah, I have. I've stayed there quite a bit. Stayed there quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Rick, uh, is there anything you'd like to, to share with the audience? Or you got you got any funny stories you'd like to share? Uh, or any final thoughts? However you want to work this, man. Fishing stories. Uh, would it be fishing stories, I suppose? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or a funny story, or you can, you can give us a pilot story if you want. Okay. Well, let's take a break for a minute. I can think about that. <laughs> you know, Rick, I don't want to put you on the spot with uh, a funny story if you're not ready for one. So let's just say this. What joys have you gotten out of fishing? Well, of course, the joys you get out of it is, you know, when you had a good, successful day. And a successful day doesn't necessarily mean you catch a lot of fish. It means that everybody gets home and uh, you had no breakdowns that day and nobody got hurt and of course the weather has a lot to do with how well you enjoy that day <laughs> you get home and it's a nice day even if you didn't catch a lot of fish of course you know, I'm a fisherman even if you didn't catch a lot of fish and everybody got home safe and, uh, and that's considered a good day to me that's a joyful day of course now the days that we catch a lot of fish there's a lot of work involved. It's hard to enjoy the day till you're actually done with the day. Then you can look back and go, wow, we did it. You know, we put in a, a record catch today. You know, it seems like every year, no matter how old I'm getting, I'm getting up there now. Is that I'm still breaking records, which is unbelievable. Last year, we caught the most fish we ever caught in a day. We beat the record by 5,000 pounds. Oh. In, in, a, in a set net site. On uh, my set net site. Yeah, we didn't just break the record. We smoked it. And all I can say is that's probably just due to my past experience. I know what to look out for. I know when to get after it. I know when to when we can relax, which is hardly ever. But getting all that together at the right time, knowing how much, you know, because we could actually get out there and try to get them all and that ain't gonna happen you got to remember you got to be able to you have a cutoff and you just gotta say this is it for the day and that's how you can catch the most fish that day. Mm -hmm. so, it's all about the efficiency is what it's about how efficient you can do it's not about how hard you work about how steady you work. how many skiffs are you running up there now we got two skiffs but they're all custom built skiffs so they they're a little, they're different than the most of them. So they're, they're definitely an efficient skill. A little more weather ready? Yeah. All right, Rick, I really appreciate you taking the time here to sit down with us and talk about it. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything you'd like to say before we uh, sign off here? No, I can't think of anything right now, Mark. I guess for those of us that fish, I guess you just need to realize there's going to be a whole bunch of ups and downs in your career and, and uh, not necessarily just the price, but, you know, the fishing itself is always going to be something that sets you back. And if you just keep with it and have a good, healthy life, you're going to you'll be successful. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's great advice. Yeah. Good, good to live by. All right, Rick, well, again, thanks for taking the time today. All right. Thank you, Mark. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you later. All right. 
Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes, whether you like it or not. We're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too, and reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.